Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Molson Canadian presents Heavy Montreal. August 9th and 10th outdoors at Parshawn Propos. Featuring Metallica, Slayer, The Offspring, performing Smash, and Lamb of God. Festival passes on sale now. Visit heavymontreal.com. Produced by FNCO. You're listening to the Talking Metal Podcast with your host, Mark Striegel, and special guest co-host, Victor M. Ruiz. iTunes number one hard rock and metal podcast. I'm Bud Friendly. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Victor. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of... Talking Metal, although this is recorded and not live. This is Victor over in Spain, and somewhere in Middle America, Mark Striegel. Yeah, I don't know if it's Middle America, man. I'm, I'm in Georgia. Is hey, that Middle America? My bad. Know. <laughs> no, I'm fucking way off <laughs> there. Somewhere in the yeah. deep south. Yeah, I'm in Georgia. Uh, Brunswick, Georgia. I'm at my father-in-law's house. I'm sitting in his kitchen, and they are actually in the next room over playing some music, so hopefully that isn't leaking through. Uh, But we're having a great time down here. My kids are asleep, and we were going to do a live show, although the internet Wi-Fi, I wasn't real confident in the signal. So we are here, Victor and I, on a Friday night doing something like our normal Friday night live show. However, it's not live just because I was afraid that uh, we would be cutting out and dropping out, and I didn't want to uh, risk that. But a lot, of, a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about, Victor. First off, something John and I briefly spoke about in our lo- last podcast, and we had only just found out about it like hours before we recorded the podcast, is that Rob Dukes has left Exodus. I think this is really big news in the metal world and big news to talking metal since Rob Dukes has really been 
kind to us on a number of levels and has shared a lot with us interview-wise on a number of levels. Uh, just wanted to get your opinion as somebody who maybe doesn't know Rob personally like John and I do. Uh, thoughts on Rob leaving Exodus and Steve coming back into the fold. Yeah, it's, it's a bit odd uh, because, I mean, I was reading some of the captions earlier today and um, Steve Zetro, however you want to call him, has, um, has said, well, you know, it was a big sort of deal for me to come back and sort of figure out, you know, if I want to come back. The guy's been campaigning for the position for I don't know how long. I mean, he's done this solo po- this solo project, excuse me, for the last few years. And they just keep bringing up in interviews how he wanted to come back to Exodus. So it just seems sort of ludicrous, at least to me, that you keep campaigning for it, you're back. And then now you're saying, well, you know, it was a big, difficult decision for me. I mean, I don't know. I just don't get it. Right. Um to be quite honest, um, I preferred Rob's voice in the band. Um, I always thought that Zetro's voice just was sort of thin and just didn't put the band over, in my opinion. I know a lot of diehards are going to be crapping on me because of that, but that's just my opinion. Um, I think that... Um, you know, Rob's put out some great music uh, with Generation Kill, and it just goes to show what a um, what a great musician he is. Where he isn't just focused in on doing one type of music, and he's done a lot of different you know metal genres with Generation Kill, or at least touched upon a bunch of different things that really yeah. pique my interest more than you know what he's done with Exodus. Not to knock that at all. But, I mean, that Last Generation Kill album was definitely one of the best albums to come out last year. And it's one of the, I mean, I always ask a lot of people, you know, does it make sense to record a full album anymore? Because, you know, a lot of times people are only doing two, three solid songs. That whole album is solid throughout. And it's, you know, it takes you really on a musical journey through different styles of metal and it really you know from the first listen was something that really appealed to me so you know reading that dukes was out of the band after hearing that generation kill album really was sort of you know head scratching to me i guess i understand from a marketing or business standpoint bringing you know steve back i guess you know they figure that's going to bring more people in to see the shows. Uh, I think that had to be it personally. I, I just think, you know, this had to be some sort of financial decision that, you know, if we get back together with Steve, he's more from the classic days and we're going to be able to get more doing festivals. And I mean, listen, everyone from, you know, Slayer to, 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 Dokken has at some point, some of them right on Talking Metal have hinted that, you know, when you do have these original members or members of the classic lineup in the band, you can sometimes get more for performances uh, and festivals. I mean, you know, Lynch and I think it was Lynch on Talking Metal late 2013 said that, you know, if they would have the 
classic Doc and lineup back together, they could make more money. And to me, when I think of Exodus, I, I as a kid, loved the Bonded by Blood record, which Steve wasn't even on, you know? And, and I, the albums that followed that, quite frankly, some of them are good, but some of them aren't so good, and some of them are downright awful. Right. I mean, Force of Habit, <laughs> I mean... Did people really want to hear anything off of that record? I mean, that wasn't, you know, no offense to Michael Butler of the Rock and Roll Geek Show who plays on that record, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a few kind of all right songs on that record, but I don't think anybody wants to hear tunes off of that record. And I think I think it's weird, man. I, I, and I think I think in some ways the stuff they did with Dukes was you know, it was fierce and it was yeah. powerful and it was strong. And, and, you know, I know it was really only what three records, I guess with him. Was it three records with Dukes or four? I'm trying to think. Uh, I thought it was two, but was, you might be right. It might be three. No, it was, you know, it was three. Yeah. Cause it was, uh, yeah. One, I'm actually just pulling up Wikipedia right now. Yeah. Three, three records with Dukes. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I don't I don't know I, I I think I think it's I think it's strange that Steve's back in the band personally but who knows uh, uh, I can't help but think it's a financial thing that's that's where I, I stand with it and and we shall see I guess and we also uh, shall see how how much interest there truly is in this you know. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, the other thing that's sort of puzzling is wouldn't you think that Holt situation with Slayer should be, you know, sort of figured out before something like this happens? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what his situation with Slayer is. It it may be he's just a, a hired gun and maybe that's what Rob Dukes was in Exodus. I I, I don't know. In, in the public, they try to, whenever these bands have lineup changes and stuff, they always try to make it look like, you know, the the new guy's a part of the band, but generally the new guy is, is not, you know, getting what the, getting financially what, what the other guys are getting, even when it comes to splitting the new, you know, getting a split on the on the new material and, and, and gigs and whatnot. So who knows? I wish the best to Rob Dukes. I, I hope this means more Generation Kill, and I hope Generation Kill can really break through. And I know it's it's tough, although, I, what are they on? They're on like Nuclear Blast or some fairly decent indie label. So let's let's hope the best for them. And listen, I'm, I'm, I'm Team Rob Dukes. I, I like the guy. He's a decent guy. He's got an incredible voice. And part of me wants to revisit and play some of his material that he did with Exodus right now. But I actually think we should look ahead and focus on what he's going to be focusing on, which I shared a few text messages back and forth with him through the week. And it sounds like it's it's going to be Generation Kill. And I think there's nothing better for us to do than play a little Generation Kill for the Talking Metal listeners because if you listen to this show, you probably already know Generation Kill, but if you're a newer listener or an older listener, maybe you just need to be reminded uh, about Generation Kill. So 
Let's get into a song called Vegas right now by Generation Kill.
there you heard a little Generation Kill. That was the former lead singer of Exodus, Rob Dukes, with the track Vegas. By the way, Victor, we need to talk about the L.A. County Supervisor's uh, vote that recently took place in Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm talking about voting for one fool or another. And uh, the reason we need to talk about it is because of Ronnie James Dio, believe it or not. Yeah, un- unbelievable, huh? I mean, I saw yeah. your tweet there and... Yeah, basically, guys, back on, it was June 3rd, Tuesday, June 3rd, the official Dio Twitter account, which is official RJ Dio, which I just hate this Twitter account. I don't know why I'm following it, but I, but I feel like I have to continue to follow it. it they tweet the stupidest things and... I feel like they hit a new low on June 3rd when they tweeted, Today is the big day. You still have time to vote for Bobby Shriver. Shriver? Shriver, right? That must be Maria Shriver's brother or something. Uh, Anyways, here's the tweet again. Today is the big day. You still have time to vote for Bobby Shriver for L.A. County Supervisor. Polls open at 8 p.m., Stand up and vote. And then, you know, the the backslash M forward slash to make the freaking stupid, uh, you know, Dio metal sign. Stand up and it, vote. This, it's Is so, it's so, yeah, stand up and vote. It's so freaking <laughs> disgusting that this, that this Twitter account is used for something like this. Now, Bobby Shriver, I'm guessing that's Maria Shriver's brother or nephew or somebody. You know, Maria Shriver is world famous as being part of the Kennedy group uh, family, and she was married to Arnold Schwarzenegger. I guess they're divorced now or separated or whatever. I really haven't been following. I don't know what Bobby Shriver's policies or stances. I don't even know if he's a Democrat or Republican. I'm assuming he's a Democrat, but who knows. But I think I think it's disgusting that they're using Ronnie Dio, who as far as I know, he wasn't Ted Nugent. He wasn't Tom Morello. He wasn't Bruce Springsteen. He wasn't telling us who to vote for when he was around. I don't ever remember him throwing his hat into the politics uh, uh, arena. And, and I, I think I think... This account may be controlled by Wendy Dio. I don't know. But it's just, this is an all-time low, guys. They are they are taking the greatest, one of the greatest metal singers of all time, and they continue to, I don't know, I want to say drag his name through the mud, but I'm not sure if that's too strong. But I, I, think, it's, I think it's BS. I think this Twitter account should be reminding us of how great Dio is, but all it is is some sort of publicity thing to sell a bunch of stuff that Dio probably would never approve of. And all and now they're they're telling us how to vote. They're telling they're doing things like, you know, go LA Kings for the Stanley Cup. It's like was Dio a Kings fan? I always thought Dio was a basketball guy. Maybe he liked hockey too. I don't know. I just think knowing what we know about Wendy Dio and how quickly she remarried after Dio died, how she apparently had a boyfriend for decades before he died. 
I find the whole thing weird. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe we should let one of Dio's girlfriends or something control the account. And, and, and you know, I do hear bits and pieces that, you know, maybe it was a relationship we don't understand. Maybe it was more of a friendship relationship. And that's fine. That's fine. Maybe that's the relationship they had, you know, a manager slash friend. Uh, and maybe the marriage never worked out since we know from Stephen Piercy's book that she was in the early 80s already chasing, you know, young, young hard rock and metal guys around the strip trying to get them in bed. But, you know, may, I, I don't know. May, maybe I just feel like this, this, this thing. Okay, like here's a tweet. 100% of the proceeds go to the Dio Cancer Fund. Get this limited edition shirt. They're selling a shirt. I guess that's cool, right. but. I, I just feel like so much of this stuff is is like is lame. I'm sorry. I, I don't like it, you know? I, I really don't like it. I mean, I don't know if you heard the guys on Metal Sucks interviewed Wendy Dio. It was a terrible interview. And I, I'm one who's championed that podcast and said I liked it. I haven't been listening to it as as much anymore, but it was like no questions. I almost got the vibe they're not even aware of anything about Wendy Dio and how a lot of the fan base like you and I, Victor just don't really approve. Right. I mean, I don't know. I'm still thinking of stand up and vote what that was better than, um, I vote at night or Holy voter, you know, last in line, that would have been, you know, a little bit better last in the voting line, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And, and this, this Dio tribute, I guess all the money for that I'm hoping goes to, the cancer research fund, you know, you had Lizzie Hell and even Metallica on this recent Dio tribute right. record. Is it that I'm just, I don't, I haven't researched this and I probably should before I, I say this, but is it a hundred percent of the proceeds from this CD are going to cancer research? And what is actually a hundred percent of the proceeds mean? I guess that means after they cover costs a hundred percent and what is cost? Does that include, a salary to to Wendy Dio for organizing the whole thing. It very well might, you know. So maybe after she makes a hundred grand off it, maybe after she makes ten grand off it, then a hundred percent of the proceeds go. Because of course, maybe she had to pay herself to organize this project. Maybe not. Maybe maybe she worked her ass off and did it all for the the cancer research fund i i don't know i don't know i just you hear stuff like 100 percent of the proceeds and just you know you look at nonprofit groups who pay their ceos you know two hundred thousand dollars a year right. and 100 percent of their proceeds are going to whatever their cause is so saying stuff like that doesn't really impress me uh, and i'm skeptical of the whole thing i'm even you know skeptical of you know like as much as I like like the live records they they put out um, after his death, I mean that might have been stuff he didn't even want coming out. Uh, the whole thing is is strange to me, and we've been over this before, you and I, Victor, and I, I just I just don't like it. And when I saw that thing coming off her her his Twitter account telling us who to vote for, I don't care if the guys you know Green Party or Tea Party or Republican or Democrat, the the. The Twitter account should not be used for that period. I really don't want to give any any more money to 
to the Dio camp because I don't understand who's profiting and controlling the camp anymore. And I have a bad feeling about it. Yeah. Well, when I spoke to Vinny Apice, I asked him about what he felt about how uh, Dio's legacy is being handled. And the one thing that I brought up was the, the Dio baseball, which I thought made little sense. You know, I, I know that he was a big Yankees fan, but. You know, do you need a a deal baseball? It just doesn't make sense. And and he pretty much said, you know, yeah, some of these things are real head scratchers. And it was pretty much up to the fans, you know, to determine whether they thought something was worth buying or not. Like you said, you know, those live albums, the packaging and everything seem really cool. But, you know, again, it. You bring up a good point. Maybe it's something that he didn't even want to have released, you know? So who who knows? Who knows? And I don't know. I, I think it's just plain dumb that, you know, as you're saying, they have, uh, you know, Go Kings and, and this and that. You know, I would, uh, you know, right along the lines of what you said, I would hope that everything would focus on his career. Maybe, you know, I don't know, just just different historical facts or just have, you know, maybe links to YouTube of, you know, cool performances or things like that. I mean, I think people would understand that and think that that was neat, but, you know, dip your toe in politics and just bogus, you know, merch, you know, just. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the thing on, um, on Wikipedia, Ronnie James Dio, this is your life. And this is the tribute record that came out. Recently, like what, within the last, when did it come out? I don't know. Oh, it came out at the end of March. And it features, you know, Anthrax doing Neon Knights, Tenacious D doing The Last in Line, Adrenaline Mob doing The Mob Rules, Corey Taylor doing Rainbow in the Dark, Hailstorm doing Straight Through the Heart. And there's some good stuff on here. You know, there's a Metallica medley. There is... uh, Glenn Hughes doing Catch the Rainbow with Simon Wright and Craig Goldie. You know, not surprisingly, Vivian Campbell is not on right. this record. But um, it, it's, uh, it says on Wikipedia, uh, Dio died in 2010 from stomach cancer. Album proceeds were targeted for Dio's Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund. Now, again, what, I don't know what that means, album proceeds. Uh, and I just know from the way that that this stuff is is uh, is always presented that you know when I say stuff I mean proceeds and and funds and and stuff that that who you could you could actually pay yourself like a million dollars and I doubt Wendy Dio did that but you but she could she could say well after I make a million dollars because my the the time I put into putting this album together was worth a million dollars so once I make that then the proceeds go to some sort of cancer fund and I'm not saying that's what happened she may be be not making one cent off of the record but you know who knows I, I i'm just i'm just skeptical of the whole thing and uh, i i should probably research it and get back to you guys on on trying to find out if uh, if she's ever stated that you know how much she profits off the record 
What do you think, Victor? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting point because, as we know, you know there are all types of royalties and different things with the permission. I don't know. I guess because you know she managed him, maybe they don't have to pay certain fees. But I mean, anytime I see you know any type of nonprofit or whatever, as, as you've mentioned, boasting about what they donate, you know, it's it's almost more interesting for me to find out what they didn't donate, you know, because that's usually um, a, a bigger cut. Um, I'll, I'll never forget after nine 11 and all the, um, you know, the, the stuff that the red cross did, it turned out that hardly any of that money that they actually collected went to anything nine 11 related. It was actually, I believe on Howard Stern, they discussed, how all the money they collected went to revamping their phone systems throughout the Red Cross. So, you know, a lot of these nonprofits raise money for different causes using certain, you know, tragedies, or in this case, you know, cancer is, you know, a way to get people to pitch money in. And then a lot of times, you know, they, they donate 10% or less to the actual cause that they're talking about so you know when you find out stuff like that it's it's really heartbreaking and and at the same time you know so many people loved dio's voice his music you know his lyrics and to use that as a um you know as a way to bring his fans in to give money and to, you know, maybe, you know, just continuously line someone's pocket. I mean, I understand if you're putting out an album, you know, uh, people have to understand that a good percentage of, you know, a deal, in this case, a live album, is going to go to her, her pocket because, you know, she still runs the thing and she was the manager and whatever. But when you're doing a right. a tribute album, you know, and you're saying, well, proceeds are going to... Is it 1% of the 10% that, uh, you know, you're setting aside? You know, how how much is it? You know, there there should be, I don't know, uh, this is just me sort of thinking out loud, but maybe legally they should have to, you know, disclose, well, you know, out of X amount that's collected, uh, X amount of your money is going towards, you know, the TJ Martell fund or whatever it is that the um, the cancer fund actually belongs to. So I don't know, just just a um, a strange and shady way that people use to sort of sucker you in and take your hard earned money and point it in a direction that you probably wouldn't have donated money to begin with if you knew, you know, what was actually behind it. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll have to uh, look into whether the Stand Up and Shout, I guess that's what it's called, Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund. Yeah, I I know it's part of the T.J. Martell Foundation. I'm not sure how much they they give. They always boast about, you know, how much money they've donated since Ronnie passed away till now. Um, but again, you know, maybe that's just 1% of everything that they've ever collected, uh, since they, uh, you know, put the whole fund together. Yeah. Is it, is it, what is it? Is Dio stand up to cancer? Is that the fund? Yeah. Stand. 
Yeah, I think it's called Stand Up to Cancer is the uh, charity organization. Is that yeah, right, that, Victor? That, that sounds about right. I wonder, there's these websites where you can get a rating on uh, on charity organizations. I wonder how that one rates. I uh, don't know. I don't know if that's, that's Stand Up. Yeah, stand Up and uh, Cancer Fund. Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund. But again... Oh, okay, because there's another one called Stand Up to Cancer. I don't know if that's if that's the same one. Stand Up and Shout. Anyways, we'll have to research this. Obviously, we don't know all that much about what the actual fund is. But well, even um, if it's rated, you know, we, if it's part of the TJ Martell, I'm sure it's you know that it, it's almost being rated as part of that. I'm sure that it isn't being rated as a separate entity. I mean, I would assume. That's probably one of the benefits to, uh, you know, piggybacking off of a, you know, uh, a famous cancer fund in this case. Yeah. Anyway, it's very tragic that we have lost Dio. He's been gone a number of years at this point. And uh, I, I, I feel his Twitter account is misused and have always got a kind of a bad vibe from his Twitter account. And that was cemented for me and confirmed for me when his Twitter account told me to vote for somebody, which, you know, in an election, which I thought was just lame. And I don't remember ever hearing about politics. Well, I mean, I maybe, let's just say, for the most part, we never heard about politics uh, in, in Ronnie's songs. And if we did, it was more left up to the listener's interpretation, at least in, in, my, in my opinion, you know. I, I don't remember him ever calling out any p- different political parties or, or candidates and and uh, right cutting them down or, or blowing them up one way or the other and and you know the way his lyrics were if, if if he did actually write that I think they would be a little more you know veiled in in poetry and and stuff uh, but anyways let's move on what what else is going on this week do you want to play another song or what should we do um, sure. I mean, what <laughs> do you want? I don't want to play any Dio after saying okay. all that stuff. <laughs> let's, uh, I tell you what, let's do, we were talking about Chris Poland. You and I were emailing back and forth, uh, about him earlier. And I was thinking maybe we could feature some of his music. Now you interviewed yes. him, right? Yeah. I mean, he was such a uh, important part of those first what two Megadeth records? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two he Megadeth was part records. of um, "Is My Business," and actually, he worked on three because he worked on that "Peace Sells" and he worked on "The System Has Failed." He did some solos on that. Oh wow! So he came back for that record. Yeah, he came back, and and there were in two thousand four. Right? Yeah, there were issues between him and Mustaine at the time because there was talk about. You know, um, Chris being part of a uh, touring lineup, and and there were some sort of issues with it. And I don't know if it was, you know, something that was rehashed from the old days or if it was something that came up at the time, but apparently some equipment went missing and it was blamed on Chris and things didn't work out as as a result of that. I mean, I'm not sure if that's the complete story uh i didn't ask him that 
when I when right. I interviewed him. I mean, it was more based on the um, you know the Peace Cells album for the the classic album series, and um, and I actually got him to comment on um, Blizzard of Oz as well. Uh, he wasn't really to discussing anything else. Um, he he quickly shot everything else down and and said um, said well you know I don't listen to uh, much metal anymore although I used to love you know um, Sabbath and uh, and Randy Rhodes playing and this and that so you know I was grateful that he did talk about peace cells with me and it was sort of odd he would only do the ID for me if his daughter joined him so huh interesting well let's get into a little chris poland because i do think he was a real important part in expanding the boundaries of metal and and even progressive metal when you look at those those that especially that second megadeth record there was some real technical stuff on there you know and mustaine of course continued to push the the envelope with that later, especially after Marty Friedman had joined the band. But I do think Chris Poland was was a big part of the early Megadeth sound, which again was just a big part of of heavy metal history and and expanding the, the boundaries of heavy metal. So I wanted to get into a little Chris Poland long after, well not long after, a little after he left Megadeth in 1990. This is the title track off a uh, album he put out called Return to Metalopolis. So let's check it out now on Talking Metal.
What you just heard was Return to Metalopolis by Chris Poland, 1990. I've never interviewed Chris, but Victor has, so go back and check that episode out of Victor's podcast. It's Mars Attacks. You can check him out at marsattacksradio.com. Victor comes and does special guest co-hosting quite often here on Talking Metal, at least at least a couple times a month, sometimes more. Right, Victor? Yeah, yeah I'm lucky enough to... Um join in and help do some of these Friday night shows. And it's always a blast for me to, um, to, uh, discuss various things that, um, you know, obviously appeal to all of us, uh, within the hard rock and, and metal world. And it's great just to be able to, uh, you know, chew the fat as they say, and talk about bands, discover new bands. We talked about Rob Dukes a little earlier, got hooked on the, Generation Kill, thanks to Talking Metal. So there you go. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. Guys, check Victor out, MarsAttacksRadio.com. He's on iTunes. You can search his podcast there and subscribe to it. You can support what we do here on Talking Metal with a PayPal donation. You can do that on TalkingMetal.com. And you can also use our Amazon links in the show notes. There's a, if you look closely at the bottom of the show notes on TalkingMetal.com, there's a link that allows you to open Amazon by going through Talking Metal. Now, this really is great for us because, and when I say us, I mean us and Talking Metal and you, the Talking Metal listener who wants to support Talking Metal, because a lot of you are buying things on Amazon. So this just adds an additional step to your shopping on Amazon. All you need to do is, instead of just going to Amazon.com, you go to Talking Metal and you use our site to open your Amazon. Just click on that link. It opens your Amazon. Buy whatever the hell you want to buy. It's still the same exact price. And for whatever reason, I don't know, but Amazon gives us a kickback on this. So uh, support Talking Metal by buying things on Amazon. And before you buy it, just go to TalkingMetal.com and use our link to open up Amazon. And again, I mentioned the PayPal donations. There's a PayPal tab there on Talking Metal. And please leave a review on iTunes for Talking Metal. And please listen to our live stream. 24-7, we're playing music on Live 365. You can download the Live 365 app for your iPhone or Droid, your iPad, or you can just go to Live365.com and search Talking Metal. Cool. So, Victor, I really appreciate you joining me tonight. I'm coming again. I'm coming to you again from Brunswick, Georgia, which is the part of Georgia. There's a small section of Georgia that actually has coastline. It borders the ocean, like a 80 mile section of Georgia, Georgia, just north of Florida, and that's where where we are. And it's beautiful down here. We're on the beach today, and uh, having a nice, uh, nice vacation. When are you going to take a vacation, Victor? Are you going to come over here to the States anytime soon? Ooh, I, I need to, um, fi- finish working on my house first and hopefully, um, soon, you know, I, I keep saying that, <laughs> but there seems to be, uh, you know, different obstacles that pop up, um, definitely chomping at the bit to, uh, go back stateside and, hook up with you and John and, and do something, uh, you know, in person as opposed to, um, you know, doing something over Skype. 
Yeah, definitely. We'd love to have you back here. I know it's tough, though. And I, I hope the new house happens for you soon. I know you've been working hard on that for a long time. Uh, are you getting closer at this yeah, point? Yeah, I uh, pretty much... I, I pretty much gave the uh, contractors an ultimatum uh, yesterday and said, look, we need to be moved in by the end of July or we're looking for someone else. And they told us that uh, that they were going to do everything they can to uh, wrap everything up. I mean, there's just small details left. They need to um, um, spackle the walls, paint the walls, uh, put the um, the wood flooring down on the um, top two levels of the house, and on the bottom level, they need to um, uh, add some cement and tile that, and we should be good to go. So, I mean, it's th- there isn't that much left to do. It's just been taking forever, which is the norm over here. So, all right. Well, good luck with that. Hey, man, before we go, I want to play this. I haven't. We didn't plan this out in advance. I'll just throw this at you live here on the record. Uh, Doyle, the guy from the Misfits. Yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh. I recently, like within the last two weeks, got the Abominator record, came out back in 2013. Dude, I I freaking love this record. I I really think that if I would have known about it back in 2013, it may have ended up on my best of list. I didn't know about it. Have you heard the record, and what do you think of it? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. It was a different direction for what he had done in the past with uh, Glorious Frankenstein, which was the other project that he was working in since leaving Misfits. And uh, it seems as if there were issues with the the distribution of the album because it was odd. It was available on iTunes for a time. Then it disappeared. Uh, yeah, I remember I was going to... And then it came back in October, because I was reading a little bit about it. I think Yeah. then it was re-released or whatever in uh, in October. Yeah. I, I thought it was good, you know, and, and unfortunately I'm one of these guys that, uh, you know, digs almost anything that comes out of the, uh, you know, Misfits family tree. I really enjoyed the the last Misfits album, actually. I thought there was a lot of cool stuff on there, although I know a lot of people, with only Jerry being part of that, um, you know, don't consider it a, a Misfits album. But hey, you know, <laughs> as we've discussed a, a million times already, he's allowed to use the name, so... Now, Doyle is the... He's he's the brother of Jerry, right? Yes. I think, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, cool. they're the... Um, they accused uh, Metallica of plagiarizing from them years ago. They actually had a project they put together with uh, Jeff Scott Soto of uh, Inve Malmsteen fame, and um, they accused... Oh, that's that's a weird combination. Yeah, the, the album, or the band was called Christ the Conqueror, Christ with a K, and it was, I don't know, some sort of like born again mumbo jumbo and i remember like reading it um while i was back in college radio in the early 90s and this was a year after metallica's black album came out and what they were saying was that they had played the demos for i guess james hetfield and kurt at um i forget if it was at the nassau coliseum or the old 
Brendan Byrne Arena, which is now the Izod Center, and they said that, oh, well, you know, they they had plagiarized uh, Wherever I May Roam from them, and I forget what other track, but it was just sort of a whole weird set of occurrences, and um, there's something about it online. I read about it, like, I don't know, about a year ago, but... Um, I don't know, just just odd. And uh, again, I, I love that whole um, Misfits uh, tie-in, that whole family tree. And um, actually got to speak to uh, Tommy Victor from Prong about the album Earth AD for the classic album series. And it was a very cool discussion because it was more of a history lesson for me because he worked at CBGB's and... He was heavily influenced by them and now is obviously, you know, playing with Danzig and has been playing with Doyle on stage when they do the whole Misfits portion of of his legacy shows. So he had some interesting insight regarding that and um, Abominator getting back to that. I know I'm (laughs) going off on a tangent here, but it was a very cool album and, you know, under... The proper circumstances would have probably reached a lot more recognition than than it did, and um, he's he's out there now supporting yeah. Arch Enemy. Apparently, he's yeah. dating their uh, their singer. So there you he's go. dating her. Yeah, that's what I I read earlier today. Because I I saw the article, which the whole reason I ended up checking out Doyle's Abominator record was because I saw the article that he there was basically an article about him and the singer and about how he respected her so much as a singer and he was a big fan of her voice even before she was in Arch Enemy and and uh but I I had no idea it was almost made it just sound like he was more of a fan of hers but wow that's that's crazy i mean she's got to be she's like got to be mid 20s and he's like got to be almost 50 so wow all right yeah he was, oh. he was um, he's definitely older than the two of us uh, because Steve well, Sting, who played with you guys, um, went to um, elementary school with him. Yeah, well, he played on Walk Among Us, which, you know, he wasn't on some of the early, early Misfit right. stuff, but he was on Walk Among Us, which came out in 82. So, yeah, I mean, he got had to be like, what, 20 by that point, I would think, so. Uh, he posted, Steve posted their fourth grade picture and that was from 72. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Well, let's wrap up today's show with a song called dreaming dead girls off of Doyle Wolfgang Von Frankenstein's record, which is called abominator. This came out in 2013. It sounds like the release was a little, uh, I've fumbled, if you will, according to Victor and also according to what I've read. And I think it's a very, very solid record through and through. It definitely leans more metal than punk, in my opinion. Although this particular song, the hook is very, I would say, Misfits, Misfits, Misfits-esque in a way. Uh, but yet still more of a heavy metal vibe about it. Um, and again, it's called Dreaming Dead Girls. Definitely go buy it on iTunes and support Doyle Wolfgang Von Frankenstein's 2013 release, which again is called 
abominator. Guys, thanks for listening to Talking Metal. Be sure to check Victor out on Mars Attacks. And check out all the other podcasts available on the Talking Metal digital network. Mitch LaFon's One-on-One and Talking Rock. Of course, Mars Attacks and Talking Metal. Thanks, guys. Victor, thank you. Thanks, Mark. Here is Dreaming Dead Girls by Doyle. Yeah.